Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Good morning. It is great to be back in Midland and even better to be back at Christ Church. Uh, I had a very restful day yesterday trying to recover from this cough stuff, and then we had a wonderful dinner last night. Uh, the 8.30 service was beautiful, and man, the music is great. But where'd Doug go? There, he's going to sing with the kids, but thank you. I had a chance to meet our First Communion folks this morning. I did not uh, talk to the, some of the confirmands, so if you're being confirmed today, raise your hand, because I want to start by talking to y'all. So we got this group here, there, okay. I want you to, as you come forward and you listen to the liturgy of confirmation, hear the, the importance of submitting to God's Word. You'll hear that over and over again in the liturgy of confirmation. And I hope you'll hearken back to the collect that we began with, Archbishop Cranmer's collect that he wrote, that we would read, learn, mark, and then we'll digest those words of Holy Scripture, God's holy word. Because in order, in a sense, if you think about it, and you've probably heard this before, the Bible is a love letter from God to us. And in it, we find that blessed hope of everlasting life. God's goal for us as we engage his word, as we hear it proclaimed, is that we would submit and embrace the, the gift of everlasting life. And as the colleague says, which we have been given in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is he who has bought for us that price uh, and, and then offered to us through grace the gift of eternity. And so what we'll be doing as you come forward is you'll be professing, you'll be testifying to the church that you have given your life to Jesus, that he is your savior, you believe that he's your savior. Furthermore, that's just the beginning point, you'll be testifying that you are submitting to his lordship that you're submitting to the reign of Jesus in your life, and that's critical. So you'll, after you do that, you'll come forward and we will lay hands on you. And I say we, uh, that is the, the succession of apostles, will be laying hands on your head and calling upon the Holy Spirit to be stirred up in your life. The Holy Spirit who's been given to you at baptism and through faith. And today, in a sense, you, as you're confirmed, you've not reached the end of your spiritual journey. In fact, you've just begun because we'll be praying the Holy Spirit is stirred up in you to give you the gifts and the fruit to empower you to be the church, to do the work of ministry, to equip the saints, to engage the world for the sake of God's kingdom. And so today, this is really your starting point. And I pray that your clergy and the other laity here who will be supporting you, in fact, uh, I'll be asking them to support you in your life in Christ. And hopefully everyone in here will say, we will but together we'll be the church and we'll be about the kingdom work of God so that we may build up one another and that we may build up the church with new disciples. That's what this is all about. And so it's an exciting time. I'm, I'm gl glad to be confirming you. I don't think you got the warning. So did you give him the warning? Okay, good. All right, so we'll, we'll leave that at that. Anyway, congratulations. Um, I look forward to you being confirmed. And I will say this. If the confirmands and the First Communion folks would stay after, don't get up and leave. We're going to do a big group photo after the dismissal, okay? In 1994, um, President Clinton came to Ambridge, Pennsylvania, where I was studying at seminary. He was there to unveil a program on health care, uh, and the first book was going into the Ambridge Public Library. As a side note, I stood outside the library, and when he came out, he walked right up to where I was standing, and shook my hand. I think he saw my Aggie ring that I had on at the time. Um, it was amazing, though, to shake the hand of a sitting president. That's the only time I've ever done that. 
If you think about it, that hand has the power to destroy civilization with the push of a button or to eradicate world hunger with the stroke of a pen. When the president landed at the Pittsburgh airport, how do you think he was greeted? Well, of course, a band was playing. The mayor and the governor, the state representatives, and honor guard all waited for him to emerge from, from Air Force One. And when he did, he came down the steps and, and he stepped onto a red carpet that led to an awaiting limo. What's this idea behind a red carpet? What's that all about? What's that all about? 25 years ago, if you lived in a small village or a community, it was rare to see a king or an emperor. But when they did come, there was plenty of pomp and circumstance. Battalions of soldiers and escorts and animals and convoys and servants and flags all processed across the land. And if your town was fortunate enough to receive the visit of the king, there were certain expectations. You would make your way out with the other folks from town, miles out into the desert, and you'd begin filling in the potholes on the highway, and you'd smooth out the bumps. You'd make the road as straight and as accommodating as you possibly could. And all this work was fitting for a king. It was the right and good thing to do. Isaiah is referring to this practice when he prophesies about the coming of Jesus, the coming of Messiah. Some 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah is calling the people to preparation for the coming of the Messiah is near. He says, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, some have said, well, Isaiah was referring to Palm Sunday, but I don't think Isaiah is speaking literally here. In fact, he was calling the people of Israel to prepare a way for the Lord in their own hearts by repentance, by holiness of living, by deeds that please the Lord, and by offering their worship solely to the living God. Now fast forward 700 years to the time of Jesus as he appears on the River Jordan. He's preparing to begin his public ministry at the conclusion of which he will change human history. John the Baptist is preaching on the banks of the Jordan and he continues the same message we hear from Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wasn't speaking in literal, literal terms either and his crowd knew what he meant. The Lord was near, and it was time to repent. To repent for one's own sins, for the sins of one's family, for the sins of one's community, for the sins of one's nation. It was a time of repentance, a time for everyone to make their hearts ready to receive their king. And I would argue the Bible today is challenging each one of us as well to do the same thing, to roll out the red carpet of our hearts, to be ready to receive our king. The fact is that as Christians, we are living in a state of already not yet. I'm sure you've heard that expression before. You see, Jesus is here already. He promised he would show up when we broke bread in remembrance of him, or when two or three of us gathered in his name. He promised to be with us even to the end of the age if we went about the work of making disciples and baptizing in his name and teaching others to obey all that he commanded. John the Baptist makes the point that he is here in another way. John says, I've baptized you with water, but this one who's come, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And if we've opened our hearts to him, if we opened that gate and let Jesus into our lives, then he's present in each one of us as well. That's an amazing thing to think about. As C.S. Lewis once said, next to the blessed sacrament, the most holy thing you will see this day is your Christian neighbor, because in that Christian neighbor, Christ dwells as well. Now, the problem that we, even as Christians, share with every other human being is that 
even if we let Jesus in, we like to find ways to push him out. And let me give you some examples. How often do we say by our actions, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, except in the area of how I treat my family. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, except when it comes to my checkbook. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, except for my sex life. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, except when I'm doing business transactions. The list go, could go on and on, couldn't it? The sad thing is, either Jesus is the Lord of everything, or he's the Lord of absolutely nothing at all. The fact is, even as Christians, we need confession and repentance. We need the grace that comes from the sacraments. We need the grace that comes from quiet prayer or the word of a Christian brother or sister or the few minutes that we might spend in the word of God. We need that grace. We need this in order to walk closer with our God. Otherwise, we're merely walking further apart. Here's the rest of the already not yet story. Jesus is already here, and yet he is not returned. And the season of Advent, which we're now well into, is about preparing for both of these realities. Preparing both for the presence of Jesus in our midst because of his incarnation on Christmas, as well as preparing for his return. St. Peter talks about the day of the Lord, when everything that we know, the entire universe, will be folded up and pass away, and a new heavens and a new earth will come into existence. And at that point, all bets are off. God will separate the sheep from the goats. And as much as we want to ignore it at that moment, we will discover that both heaven and hell do exist. We will have had to have chosen which and where we want to spend eternity, in one, one realm of existence or the other. But now, in this moment, is the time to decide. For the Lord is, in fact, at the gate. The Bible says no one who believes in him will be put to shame, and everyone who calls upon his name will be saved. So do you and have you. It's my prayer this Advent season that everyone in this room, everyone in this place knows the Lord Jesus as Savior and is willing to follow him as Lord. That's what it means to be his disciple, not just to sit at his feet and learn, but to actually do what he calls us to do. Even more, having been baptized into his name, we are preparing the way of the Lord by allowing God to work on us and in us and through us, by allowing the power of his Holy Spirit to convict us of sin to lead us into ministry and service, to raise us up in worship and praise, and ultimately, as St. Peter says, to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. I will tell you, Advent gives us all a second chance. Advent is our second chance to get it right, to prepare for that final examination, one that we can only survive because of the blood of Christ and the grace that he gives. Only in Christ can we approach the throne of God with confidence, it's only in Christ that we can make the most of this second chance. A young boy went to the ball field wearing his baseball cap and carrying a ball and bat. Seeing no one there, he marched up to home plate. In his eye was a look of steely determination. He was full of confidence that he put, as he put his bat on his shoulder, tossed the ball into the air, and he yelled out, I'm the greatest batter in the world. But he swung and missed. Strike one, he said with the emphasis of one of the best umpires. He picked up the ball, he looked it over, threw it up in the air again and watched as the ball descended and he yelled out, I'm the greatest batter in the world. But once again, he swung and missed. Strike two, he said, a puzzled look on his face. He stopped to examine his bat to make sure there wasn't a hole in it. The third time, he picked up the ball, adjusted his cap, he squared his shoulders, he tossed the ball high into the air. He yelled out again, I'm the greatest batter in the world. 
He swung with all his might, but he missed the ball. Strike three, you're out, he yelled. After staring at her for a moment, looking at the bat, the boy threw the bat to the ground. And then he began jumping up and down, waving his arms excitedly, shouting, Wow, I'm the greatest pitcher ever. <laughs> How many of us here need a second chance? How many of us here perhaps need a new beginning or a clean slate? This Advent challenges us, reminds us that we're to prepare our hearts for the Lord, both in our daily lives and in case at any moment heaven and earth should flee away for an eternity with our God and King. Today we are to roll out the red carpet of our hearts because our King is coming. So prepare the way of the Lord and make ready a highway for our God. In the name of the living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.